Welcome, I'm Dan Daly, and I'm the publisher of Executive Insights and Dan Daly Business Commentary. So welcome. Uh, today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, if we look back on Q1 of 2023, certainly a great many things took place and some of them started and there began back in 2022. But what we decided to do is talk to some of our friends who are senior executives, run companies, and also members of the board and ask them to look at the last three or four months and say, what are some of the events and circumstances and happenings that impacted your particular business? How did they impact that business? And how do these individuals feel that these events or new events will impact their business going forward over the next 6, 12, 24, 48 months, whatever it is? So we broke them down really into three pieces. Uh, one is global economics. The other is uh, global financial. And the third is, frankly, global politics. We're not going to discuss individual politics, but we're going to discuss politics from a broad standpoint and how that might impact your business, products, clients, etc. So let's, let's start off with uh, economics. In the U.S., uh, we still have a high inflation rate. Uh, it's in the four, five, six range. The Federal Reserve wants to get it down to two. That's not going to happen in the immediate future. So I think one of the things that you have to think about uh, in your business is pricing. And that is pricing relative to your product today and tomorrow. What are going to be some of the cost inputs? What do you think the market will bear? You don't want to underprice. You don't want to overprice. You certainly don't want to be accused of scalping. So a major factor is there, the pricing of your product, whether it's physical or whether it's a service. The flip side of that is you have to worry about what are some of your suppliers going to do. And you can talk to them. You can ask them. Good suppliers will tell you what their intention is, but raw materials, partially finished goods, finished goods, assemblies, etc. So pricing of your product is a major concern and one that you should be talking about internally and also externally. Let's jump now to the consumer. The consumer is always a challenge. I've always said that there is no client more fickle, fickle than the U.S. consumer. Uh, on the top end, the people with money are going to be pretty much an inelastic buyer, okay? They're gonna, they've got the money. They're going to continue to buy. Our concern and the concern people mentioned was the middle-income people and the lower-income people. What are they going to do? They are starting now to cut back a little bit. Uh, housing, certainly because of interest rates and available housing, that slowed down a bit. Automobiles is a two-sided sort. You don't really know. So what is the consumer going to do? And what is their action going? How is it going to affect your company? And you might say, well, I, I don't sell to consumers. No, you don't. But there probably is some aspect of your business that has an input from the consumers at the end of the line. So you really do have to be concerned about the consumer simply because two thirds of our gross domestic product is driven by consumers. Now, the idea of measurement, things like that, Unemployment is still very low. Not really sure why. No one does. We talk about it, but we're not really sure. It's 3.4, 3.5, something like that. So unemployment is relatively low. And unemployment is usually an indicator of layoffs. But in this case, it really isn't. The layoffs we've had have been significant, but they're all in one sector. They're in the technology sector. 
and there's seven, ten, twenty thousand dollar layoffs on a global basis. But you're not seeing that throughout all the economy. A lot of companies, especially smaller ones, are still looking to hire individuals, they have openings, and they cannot find the people. So what you have to look at from an employment standpoint is, again, how does it impact your business? What can you learn from the layoffs in the tech companies? What can you learn from the status quo and the fact that small companies are having trouble hiring? What about new jobs? New jobs, very positive. They're being created. It's very, very impressive. How does that gel with unemployment? Well, I'm not sure how it does. Uh, now, people that say they do are a lot smarter than, than, than I am. But those are things that you've got to track. And the comments that I heard, the key is don't overreact. Don't take one piece of data and make all your decisions strategically about the sustainability of your company on a small bit. You've got to look at all these things, and you've got to look at them in an ongoing basis. So uh, jobs, unemployment, all right? Uh, consumer preferences, consumer growth, inflation. What is what is happening? Those are all things that you now primarily. Those are global. Uh, sorry, make those are domestic considerations. But if there is something uh, abroad in Europe or even in Asia that you think is going to impact your business from an economic standpoint, well, you've got to factor that in. China is starting to recover. Uh, Europe is in decent shape in the short run in terms of their economy, but we've seen that flip a bit. So these these are things that really uh, require a lot of discussion. Okay, they can't be singular. They can't be knee-jerk reaction. They've got to have a lot of discussion internally. I always like to recommend, see what you can learn from your competitors. You don't necessarily want to follow them down that road, but if you can learn what your competitors are doing, that can be very, very helpful. And as appropriate, I would use outside consultants, but I would not make my macro decisions on the sustainability of my company simply what Booz Allen, McKinsey, Boston Consulting Group, what they say. They would be they would be an input. All right, let's talk a little bit about global <clears throat> financial, because certainly uh, no matter what business you in, what business you are in, it has been a tumultuous quarter or second quarter. Uh, the focus obviously is what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. Now, stepping back, my opinion is that the, when the bank got in trouble, I think the Federal Reserve, uh, FDIC, uh, <clears throat> and uh, F, uh, and the Treasury moved in a very good fashion. They were very aggressive. They sent a strong message what they were doing, and they moved not in a matter of weeks, but in a matter of days. Now, there are going to be people that criticize and say, oh, the government is going to be running all of the banks. I don't think so. There will be, and it's already underway, changes in bank regulations, especially as it relates to those banks uh, that are the size of Silicon Valley was number uh, 16. Uh, so th yes, that's going to change. That's inevitable. But I think the fact that they moved so quickly uh, stopped the lines that were seen in the West Coast and the East Coast offices for Silicon Valley Bank. And I think that was, I think that was a positive thing. Now, that doesn't mean it's over. But I do like what they've done in the short run. They've made hard, aggressive decisions. Yes, they've guaranteed some things. Uh, that is without the question. They were going to originally guarantee everything. Janet Yellen came and said, no, no, no. We're not guaranteeing all deposits. We're going to, going to guarantee certain level of deposits in certain banks. I think that was a very smart. So basically, I'm comfortable with that. Can we guarantee that the bank crisis won't continue? Of course we can't. Of course we can't. It quickly spread, spread to Europe, uh, 
But Credit Suisse was in trouble. The government got right in, had UBS buy them out. That was good. So I think there are some positive signs, all right, but we still have to be cautious. Would I take all of my personal wealth or my corporate money and stick it in one bank? What do you think? The answer is no, I would not. If there's a lesson learned, spread the risk around the banking community. So that's that's from a financial standpoint. Now let's talk a little bit down the line there. There are going to be ramifications. There are going to be regulatory changes, et cetera, in the banking community. Let's look in the mirror and see how those changes might affect your company over the next 6, 12, 24 months. What is the status of your cash and liquidity? Do you have enough money relative to your burn rate to go forward, meet the payroll, meet your obligations for the next number of months? You've got to decide that. You've got to have a very serious conversation on that. So basically, the, the, the status of your cash and your liquidity. Now, if you're going to go out and reach out for debt, well, I'm very candid on that. Knock on that bank door that you've been using or those banks that you've been using and ask them, tell them your story and say to them very bluntly, Dick or Betty, are you prepared to work with us if we go forward with X obligation? And look them right in the eye. And if they're not prepared to commit to that, then say, thank you very much. We'll certainly keep you in mind, but I hope you'll not be offended if we look elsewhere. You have to look elsewhere because I I don't want to apply you can't trust banks. That is not what I'm saying here. But they're going to be under so much pressure from higher up and from regulators, they may change their whole attitude towards you as a long-term client. So don't get caught. Meet with them face-to-face. Perhaps you bring in your CFO, you might bring in your outside auditors, you might bring the CEO in and say, these are our plans, can we count on you? Do that. Now, if that's not available, you start looking elsewhere. If banks are not a solution for some particular reason, perhaps it's private Perhaps it's private equity. I don't know uh, what you can think about, depending on your company, in terms of going to the public market with a secondary or a bond offering or something like that. But it is certainly the traditional banks you want to go to, find out where they are. You want to consider uh, private equity uh, and you want to consider the public markets if they are appropriate for you. When do you start that? You start that right now because these things take time. Uh, You've got to decide where you are today, what your needs are tomorrow and the next day, Is there something that might happen from a negative standpoint to your business? A product line collapses and fails, or a new product introduction is not yielding the revenue it hoped for. On the plus side, is there a merger or acquisition that you would love to get involved in? And because of the economy, it's a bargain price. Can you make that move? Well, if you're considering that, that's another aspect of finance that you've got to go and start working on. So, there's a survival component, there's a, and there is a growth component, and you have, to, you have to work on both. And you have to be extremely realistic and, frankly, blunt in your discussions with lenders, with investors. And now, if you're a publicly held company, it's very important to keep your stakeholders, broadly speaking, your stakeholders advised of where you are, and what you are thinking of going forward, and ask some of their opinions, especially some of your logic. Find out who owns your company. Don't be surprised that the XYZ investment firm owns 
2% of your company and you didn't even know it. You can't do that. You've got to find out who are your stakeholders, and I would reach out to them to tell them where you are today and what your thinking is tomorrow. If there's a problem, how are you going to solve it? If there's an opportunity, how are you going to capitalize on that? So communicate with your stakeholders in a transparent fashion. I think that's very, very important. And a lot of this really gets down to common sense. So we're not saying you haven't heard of these things. We're not saying you haven't thought about them. It's the idea of now, because it's 2023, you, you have to be doing these things simultaneously. And that's more work for your executive team. It's more work for your board. It's a very challenging situation that we're looking for. Uh, third category, politics. And again, I'm not talking about running for elective office and who's your senator and who's your congressman. I'm talking about global politics. And by that, I mean, what's the status of Ukraine? What's going to happen there? What is Russia going to be doing? Putin and President Xi are bad guys. There's no question about it. All right. Uh, President Xi has his eye on Taiwan. All right. Uh, Russia reached out and played diplomat with uh, Saudi Arabia and Syria, friends to both parties. At the same time, China reached out. All right. And they were they were playing a good guy with Saudi Arabia and Iran. Were they doing that because those are new markets? No, they were doing that to give them strength diplomatically and politically in geographic answer. They reached out to people that we're not very friendly with right now, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Syria, okay? That's something to keep aware of. How do you react to it? You don't, but you should be aware that they are doing that. So let's not say that Russia is just treading their bicycle in neutral. They are not. They are definitely not. They're being beaten up in Ukraine, okay? So they're not as powerful as they used to be, but Putin is still a very tough guy. She and China, their game plan to be a major global economic force, a global political force, and a global military force, and Taiwan is there. Let's keep in mind, Taiwan is the largest manufacturer in the world of multiple levels of chip technology. So this is serious business. So you have to be thinking about what is Putin doing, all right? Where does the global community stand regarding the Ukraine? To me, I think we should continue to support them. Poland's coming in. Others are coming in. I think that's very important. I would rather have the stand take place in the Ukraine than debate later on why the Russians moved into Poland. Can that happen? What do you think? Do you think that Putin is just going to take over the Ukraine and sit and twiddle his thumbs? That's not going to happen. He's going to move aggressively. He's going to control the whole Black Sea. And we've seen economically the impact of the Ukraine in certain product areas uh, as an exporter of, of, of foodstuffs around the world. So let's be realistic about that. Now, you have to understand that President Xi is watching to see what the United States and our friends and what our allies are doing regarding Ukraine. Why does he care? Because he'd love to know what we might do if he moved on Taiwan. He said, oh, that's too dramatic. It's too good. No, no, it's nothing more than thinking on a global basis. And does that have an impact on your business? Europe is not a big market for you. Taiwan is not a major factor uh, in, in, in Asia. It doesn't impact Japan, the Philippines, Australia, all allies and, and friends of ours. Of course it does. So those are, those are things that you have to worry about. Now, a positive event 
is Finland is getting closer to being admitted to NATO. Uh, Hungary just uh, approved them. Sweden is still getting beat up by Turkey, but hopefully they'll get in too. And those two countries, if they join NATO, it does not have a huge impact on your business, but it has a huge impact on the strength of democracy on a worldwide basis. So those are things that you want to follow, not because they directly impact your product or your business, but indirectly and strategically, they absolutely have an impact on your business. Last point, and I'll touch on it very, very uh, briefly. We've had, oh, several uh, videos and we've done a lot of discussion on ESG. Now, you noticed in some of our things, there is starting to become some pushback on certain components of ESG. A lot of it led by the CEO of, of Vanguard, uh, Vanguard, Vanguard Funds. I think we all can say, people that are running companies, ESG, parts of it have gotten out of control. There is a self-appointed, non-congressional appointed bureaucracy out there that has decided what your company should follow, what things they should do, changes they should make, investment they should make, and how they should report it and to whom. Now, I think ESG has some very, very good merits to it. But you can't have a, a bureaucracy along with the proxy advisory firms, Glass-Lewis and ISS, running your company. It can't happen. It can't happen. All right. So you have to be prepared to how are you going to address ESG without ignoring it. And you have to say, this is what our policy is in this area. This is what we're doing. This is what we've accomplished to date. And this is what we'll do going forward. That's how your company has to project and encourage your competitors, people in various associations with you to do exactly this. You can't sit back and say, boy, we're very unhappy with this. That is not going to work. Now, part of ESG that I think is critically important is the E. And what am I talking about there? It's climate. Now, we can take the other components of ESG and governance and social, and look, we can't, no business can ignore climate. You can't have floods, hurricanes, rainstorms, snowstorms, et cetera, tornadoes, people dying, and say, well, you know, really, it's just cyclical. Now, I'm willing to say part of it might be cyclical, but I know enough scientists to say part of it has to do with a climate crisis, and that really has to do with the concentration of carbon dioxide. So what are we going to do about it? That doesn't make me goody-two-shoe, but it makes me a realist, and your company must do the same thing. And it really gets down to the carbon footprint, and it gets down to climate, dio climate CO2. Now, very simple. You say, well, we're in the Midwest. That doesn't impact us. Well, if we look at some of those tornadoes and hurricanes, yes, it does. It impacts your workforce, it impacts your physical plant, and it impacts your clients. So it can't be ignored, and you have to be part of the solution. I have said numerous times, I cannot see the federal government in the United States solving single-handedly the climate crisis. I think they have to work with business. Business was a wonderful contributor to solving the problems on COVID-19. I think companies, all of us, have to take a stand and say, this is how we are going to work together, companies, blah, 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 et cetera, and, and business, to solve the climate crisis. Just remember, your workforce is not going to be very effective if it's underwater. So we'll come back at another time, and we'll talk more about climate. But in terms of ESG, what I do like is we're seeing some pushback. 
I think in the society areas, we've made some real progress. I think in the board areas, I think boards are being run a lot tighter, a lot more demanding, so I'm comfortable there. But in the environmental, I really see some problems relative to the climate crisis and how it impacts your workforce and how it impacts your core business. It is not just an issue off to the side. It's integral to the sustainability of your company. I'll leave one more thing on the table for another day. Uh, AI. AI has been around for a couple of years, but it was in November. Company uh, out in California, something chat OI or something, brought forth a product. And all of a sudden, everybody is dropping everything and saying, how do we include AI in our products? I think those are important discussions to have, but they require a lot of homework, a lot of research. Don't bet the farm on how AI is going to improve or discourage or destroy or make you uh, a multi-billion dollar global company in the next six months. It may. It may also have some real problems that we aren't dealing with yet. So I'm saying certainly no one uh, who's running a business as an executive or a member of the board can ignore AI. What I'm saying is don't overreact. Watch very carefully what's going on and ask a lot of questions. Seek some outside opinions in terms of how it's going to impact your company from both a positive and a negative standpoint. It's here. It's not going to change. But I think in the short run, we're overreacting a little bit. And that's always a dangerous thing. Uh, let's look at uh, FTX. Okay. A lot of overreaction there. Big mistake. So those are the points. Uh, I hope we haven't insulted you in any way. What we've tried to do is take these various areas of, of concern, uh, economy, uh, financial, and politics, and bring them together to get you thinking and talking with your peers, uh, the people within your company, your board, your senior executives, competitors, et cetera, associates that you belong to, and saying, what are you thinking? What are you planning about? We've got to share information. So thank you very much for your attention. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more about these things. I look forward to talking more about ESG, always one of your favorite subjects. It's one of mine, I think, I think. But also uh, looking forward to some robust discussions on artificial intelligence. Right. So thank you very much. And we look forward to working with you and talking with you in the coming quarters of 2023 and beyond. So thank you very much.